0: Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What is going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Ground. Whoa, I said Vigor Ground, the Vigor Life Podcast. Yeah, I'm so I'm so into the gym right now that I can't even say different words, but hey, we're back here. This is kind of, this is kind of a, a I would say, a second edition of um, the nutrition part of uh the nutrition podcast but really but we're going to touch on a couple of factors because re- this is honestly kind of like why fitness and nutrition are failing us is is a bunch of studies on what's really going on and we're just going to dive deep into uh I would say some more data and research and like you know how to actually apply and change this into your own life uh so that you have that you see changes and you see differences um I've talked about you know a bunch of things quite a lot when it comes to nutrition as far as habits environments this like that and we're going to touch on those a little bit more today but i don't know if a lot of people you know know uh, the data that i'm going to go through um a lot of this actually has is also uh i would say you know joel jameson talks about a lot about it which by the way you should you know if you haven't done his uh, Bioforce conditioning course definitely do that because uh, it's a lot more than a conditioning course but you know with that said like this information certainly has to get out there because I was uh, speaking at, at a WarriorCon last year in front of uh, I think about 650 700 guys uh, you know talking about this and I had so many people uh come up to me afterwards and email me afterwards like because they were like man I didn't know that like that presentation was like really eye opening um and part of the reason was because you know when you get I would say uh, you know, hundreds of A-type guys into a room, you know, that want to change their body and the way they feel and they want to create power and they want to feel healthy again and move better and, and be conditioned and strong and all that, right? And and th- there's that A-typeness behind that. The last thing that you want to hear that, that they're doing too much. Now, you know, I, I also like my own personal life is a, is a pure experience <laughs> of doing too much. I mean, my whole life, like, I'm doing too much, right? Um, and and I'll, I'll share a little bit of my story Of how this comes in As far as, you know I didn't sleep a lot And now I sleep a lot more uh, Still probably not optimal But definitely a lot more um, I Fixed that it, it fixed a lot of my, my uh, I would say health issues That were kind of like uh, Popping up uh, But I want to I wanna touch base on Like What most people don't know And, and, and kind of like Hey You know Why fitness is failing us Because if, you, you'll see a lot of conversation, um, you know, in, in the US. It's like, man, like people aren't, you know, training a lot. They're not training enough. There's, uh, you know, it's laziness, it's this, that, and the other. And, and I don't, you consider that that's not really true. Americans are very, very, very active. Um, and when you look at the stats, I think I've mentioned this before is that, you know, from a 2000 to 2016, you're looking at an increase of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like 65%, uh, in gym memberships. And, you know, now if I gave you that statistic straight up, you'd be like, geez, man, that's, that's phenomenal. That's fantastic. Uh, you know, millions and millions and millions of people are basically members of a gym now, you know, over the course of the last 16 years, this is a great statistic, you know, Statistic number two is that between 1988 and 2006, the frequency of leisure time uh, physical activity increased from 47 to 120%. Like, that's how much it increased. Now what is the, the thing? For women, it more than doubled their frequency of exercise while men up there is by nearly 50%. So think about that. So this is a span of 20 years, and I would say that since 2006 that number's gone up. I know it's gone up. I don't know the exact data and statistics behind that, but it has. So there we go. We got a we got second statistic that's like, wow, this is really positive, right? We got 65% more people going to the gym. Uh, women doubled their frequency of exercise and men increased it by 50%. Man, this is, man, we're on the right track. We're on the right track, right? But if we look at obesity rates from 97 to 2015, they've gone up more than 12%. And like I said, this is 2015. If you look at 2018, it's, it's gone up even more. So since 97 to 2015, they went up from 19.4% to 30.4%. Like I said, I think right now they're at like 33 or more. Um, it's, it's, it's compounding, right? So now you look at that and you go, hold on. So people are joining gyms more, they're training more frequently, and yet obesity rates are going up. The other thing that's happening too is people with diabetes, um, age 35 or older with where, where the self-reported heart disease or stroke has gone up, right? So we're looking at basically obesity has gone up, health has gone down, right? And we could, we could look into other numbers that like basically track health, different markers of health. And you see that they've gone down. So you, you go like what figures, I mean, we have more information than we've ever had about nutrition, about, uh, about fitness, about you know what works, the science of what doesn't work, what works. Uh, we have more information about you know behavior change and these you know uh, I, I would say things around that, which I don't think is is um, is out there enough. But nonetheless, right, more information than ever, more gyms than ever, more diet books than ever, more everything than ever, and yet horribly miserably failing on the end of helping people get healthier. Now, once again, I've talked about this, right? as far as like what I believe the future of fitness is and like what's going on. Um but a lot of the research and this is not the only, you know, the only one thing uh that's the problem, but but since I've talked about nutrition and environments and uh behavior change, I'm gonna touch a little bit more on, you know, what the problem is. And and, and a lot of the problem is, and it's the same thing that I talked to that group of men at WarriorCon was, you know, more is not always better. And like here's another study is uh, you know where where they were testing control groups versus groups that were expanding a certain amount of exercise in in basically energy, um, and then seeing what type of weight loss they had. So for for a group that was expanding, and and it was basically you had a, you had a, a predicted weight loss and actual weight loss, right? And, and this is like four kilowatts of the exercise dose basically they they're doing it in uh in energy doses right like how how hard they're, they're working based on energy and one when, when they were working at uh, 4 kilowatts like they had a predicted weight loss of one uh 1.0 1. but they they lost 1.4 so it was great okay when they doubled they doubled the energy expenditure right so you you work twice as hard now the weight loss it still went up but the percentage dropped so they were, were expecting 2.0, they got 2.1. But then, when you went to 12 kilowatts, now the weight loss actually dropped to 1.5. Meaning that like, when you worked three times as hard as the initial group, your results were exactly the same. And the, and, and the more you expanded, the less results you got. Now, why is that? Well, I mean, it's one of those, you know, one of them is like the oh, duh moment, right? Where you can't just keep training harder and harder and harder and seeing better results. And it's like, absolutely. Now, the thing is, the factors of, you know, how you basically get results is, a lot of, of it is based around recovery, right? I always talk about there's a stimulus and then there's recovery, right? And the recovery time is where you get the results. And so, now we all we know, right? It, it, if you train more, it doesn't mean that you're gonna get better results. And you look at activity levels, right? Because then people will be like, oh, it's activity. but. When you look at the comparison, uh, there's data in the comparison between U.S., Norway, and Japan, and obviously that's just the countries that they chose. But where in the U.S., activity levels are, you know, forty. Uh, let's see, because this chart is a, is a little bit crazy. But let, let's just put it this way: that Japan has the lowest activity levels, and it has also the lowest obesity. They only have five percent obesity. America has massively higher activity levels than Japan, and yet it has 33% obesity, right? So we're looking at like six to seven times higher obesity, but activity level was like a lot higher. I would say almost double, right? So it's not that, and then so we, we go to that, and we ask, okay, well, what's going on with, if the Fitbit is telling us that like, man, we're burning this many calories, we should be eating this many calories, and so on and so forth. Well, we, we also know now studies that show that there's a finite amount of metabolism, right? Meaning you don't burn calories till, you know, land's end. So, and, and if I'm not mistaken, this it, I may be a little bit off by the numbers here, but like the, most people can exert, I think it's on average like 7,000 something uh, calories per day, right? So it doesn't go on forever. So if you keep, so if you do 10,000 steps per day, it doesn't mean that twenty thousand steps is going to be better, or that you're going to burn the same amount of calories as you did for ten thousand. Remember, it become more efficient, right? Energy gets distributed in different ways. So even though you know you're you're training for six hours a day, that doesn't mean that you're going to burn that amount of calories. We just talked about that study that showed the more expenditure and also the duration there's a there's a limit to this. And so there was actually a, a and Joe was telling me and explaining this that. They did studies on a tribe uh, that did, on average, I don't know how many miles a day, like 10, 12, something like that, miles a day that they were walking uh, that much or, or 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 even running or whatnot. And, but they weren't burning any more calories than the average human was. It's just their body was distributing the, that energy differently. Right, so it was making their bodies more efficient. And so there's a finite amount to metabolism. Now, once you understand that, it means that like, there's only so much you can do and it's gonna distribute it in different ways. And from there, you start understanding that it's all about energy, right? When we train, you disrupt homeostasis, which is the, basically where the body wants to be, right? Where your blood, your blood pressure is a certain way, your breathing, your oxygen, all these different ways, right? When I do something, if I, if I, I don't know, start doing hundreds of pushups right now, I'm gonna disrupt that homeostasis, right? Things are gonna, my body's gonna have to change things to keep me, work work to keep me in homeostasis. And that's called allostasis, right? But from there, because of that homeostasis disruptor, there's mechanical and met- uh, metabolic sensors that are triggered, right? So these are the adaptations that start happening in the body. There's a specific gene expression. We talked about, like, you know, I, I would say uh, epigenetics and, like, what happens, like how our genes express uh, based on, turn on and off based on our environments, everything from training to food to, you name it, right? And then from there, when you have recovery and adaptation, there's structural and functional neuromuscular adaptations, right? Remember, when there's recovery and adaptation, that's where these changes happen. And the reality is, it's like, it's like having money, right? I, I remember my pops would, you know, he'd give me money when I, was, when I was younger, and it was like an allowance if I, you know, did the right things and I did the work and, you know, worked in the garden and whatnot, right? But you have allowance, and then you only got so much money. That you can spend, right? And if you, you're gonna put some money towards groceries and some money towards that and going out and whatever, right? Then the money's gone. Once the money's gone, that's it. Like there is no more money, you know? And that is the way the energy works, right? You only have a finite amount of energy to distribute, period. No matter what, no matter how much you're training, okay? And now it's like, okay, where do I put this? Where do I put this money, right? Where do I put this energy? And so the way that like the brain controls energy First of all Is By importance And just so So we we understand Right The brain controls All the energy And what's most important Is the vital biological functions For RMR So that's our resting metabolic rate Everything from Our heart Our lungs Our You know Our reproductive organs Like everything Everything that Like for me to just sit here And do nothing Right To just live and breathe Right That's what energy goes first Because that's vital Like that's You know, without that, we're not living. And Remember, the brain doesn't give a shit about you having a six pack, doesn't care about you being jacked. It cares about survival, right? So that's where the energy goes first. Then second, right, second, the energy goes towards physical activity and then stress. So, if I'm picking this stuff up, carrying my bag, I'm walking around, I'm moving, right, I'm talking with my hands, which I like to do like my mom does. (laughs) Like, that's the activity. Now, if I start training, Guess what? More physical activity exerted. And one of the big things that the energy goes towards to is stress, right? You guys might have heard that like, our brain weighs about two pounds, but it uses up about 25% of all the body's glycogen, right? That's, that's a lot of glycogen used for that little, little brain, but that's because that's how much it needs, okay? So when you're really stressed out and we're in a sympathetic state, that's using up a lot of energy, okay? So, we just talked about, right, like, that we're active. Like, as a country, we're very active. More active than just about, if not every other country. And gym activity has gone up. Physical activity has gone up. All these things have gone up. But we haven't got the results that we want, right? And this is an explanation of it. Because if all the brain goes, gives energy to your vital functions first, and then it gives it to training, movement, activity, exercise, exercise, And stress, only last does it have, I would say, the energy to allocate to tissue recovery and adaptation, right? Which is your fitness, right? Which is the changes you usually want to see. Building muscle, maintaining muscle, dropping body fat, neurological adaptations, right? Getting stronger, improving performance. So if you only have a finite amount of energy to allocate and you use it all up through, obviously, RMR, which which you can control if you improve your health and whatnot, but but because you're putting so much into physical activity and you don't have enough recovery, because what are we, what is recovery? I mean, recovery is everything from sleep to nutrition to dropping down your stress levels, right? Only there we see the adaptations. That's why so many, you know, when I would train, high level, uh, I mean, everything from from, I would say, athletes or even like you know stressed out college athletes but certainly you know ceos entrepreneurs you know things of that nature where they're coming in you know doing 14 hour days they got a family they're not getting a lot of sleep um and but they're a type and they're like they want to start training four or five days a week really hard and then doing other activities and playing squash and you know basketball over the weekends and whatnot you know and they're stuck and not getting results, and more than anything, they're actually starting to get beat up and seeing injuries and things like that. Well, that's why, right? That's the body's way of of, of saying like, hey, listen, like, your, your tissues can't, they're reaching threshold, there's not enough recovery, there's too much stimulus, not enough recovery, and you're not gonna get results. So, this is the reason, right? When you start understanding that brain controls energy, um, and you see where it's allocating it, now it's like, you, you can start looking at like, man, am I putting, like, how much recovery am I getting? How much am I putting towards quality nutrition? Or, I mean, like I said, before you do anything else, right, before you do anything else, it's like fix your sleep. And, you know, I've done a whole podcast on sleep. I've talked about sleep in the past, like my journey on fixing my sleep that took about a year and a half. Um, and, I, you know, I, I can say that majority of the nights now I do sleep seven, maybe even eight. Uh, you know, there's, there's days where I, where I do less, but... But it's gotten so much better And literally it was almost getting a new lease on life You know, because I was In my mind I was like, you know, crazy hustling Training hard, whatnot. That I didn't even know what it feels like to be fresh um, And we'll, we'll touch on this In a second actually uh, Me and Gene were just talking about uh, Joe Rogan podcast, we had Matthew Clark The author of Why We Dream on there Walker. Uh, Sorry, Walker, appreciate it uh, Walker And And uh, the, the book why we dream and so many studies associated with you know even an hour or two hours less uh of sleep than you need the uh what happens to your health i mean the the increases in in uh the you know you you getting cancer again alzheimer's uh and one actually just the, the study that i remember we talked about whether it's you know this is very precise you can look it up but that in um i think in one town or one city where they changed the the school starting instead of at 8 a.m. they they moved it to 9:30 and how much that that the traffic accidents in that city dropped by 75% because the kids were so much more rested when they were driving uh you know because it's like if you're underslept by 2 hours it's literally like driving around with having 0.04 uh, alcohol in your system right it's like being drunk all the time and you know, look, looking back, it's like, even though I know the statistical data, I know it's easy to get used to living like that, right? Uh, what I mean by that is that it's, it's. I was in a phase where, you know, I was sleeping very little for many, many, many years. We're talking about, you know, three to four hours a night, like just wh- horrible, right? And I could deal with it, but that doesn't mean my life was optimal. Actually, I just kept churning away until I hit threshold and then had a about a, a, you know, a bunch of adrenal issues, hormonal issues, like all these different things, right? But in your, because you're so used to it, it becomes normal, right? And it's not natural, but it just becomes normal. And I would say a lot of things in life are like that. You know, we get clients in, it's like, I'm, you know, I see them moving their shoulder and it's like, hey, what's going on? Ah, it's my shoulder. And it's like, what's up with it? Ah, nothing, so I'm used to it, right? They're, they're They're used to the nagging pain, like it becomes, you know your low back is tight. Your, you know your hips are bugging you. You're used to it. That's not natural, right? It just becomes normal. And I would have you consider that like those are the things that like man are are, are signs that your body's breaking down, right? You're you're rich, reaching your tissue thresholds. Uh, you know, like I said, your environment uh, of everything that you do, both from recovery to food to training to to stimulus to uh, like I said, recovery sessions, all these different things. Are are not allowing you to be at your best, and probably not you know not gain strength, not build muscle, uh, not lose body fat. And this brings me to you know stress. And once again, you know if you're not sleeping enough, guess what? That tri- that means your cortisol is probably higher, which means your stress is higher. And it's like this self fulfilling prophecy, right? More cortisol prevents you from sleeping well. Less sleep means more cortisol, and so here we go. And then there's all these studies, obviously, around like people that sleep less. Eating more And uh, you know That's actually been One of the most connected I would say Studies when it comes to You know Obesity With with kids Is that the kids On average sleep less Than they used to And it's gone up With the obesity in kids But to bring it back To like all of those things Are stress So the stress of life uh, And you can see uh, Basically uh, this There's just one specific study That shows uh, A couple of different things Uh, A group that was Stress, like higher stress and lower stress, right? And so, a lower stress group, and they were they were measuring both arm size, uh, one rep max back squat, and one rep max uh, bench press. So the strength gains after resistance training. So the effects of stress and and negative life events, and you can see, I mean, significantly. Uh, I mean, we're talking about you know 10, 15, 20 percent. Lower, uh, I would say, gains in strength on, and these are short. Like these are very, very short. This is not like, oh, somebody was stressed for you know months and months and months on end. This is, this is like literally like short term showing like how how stress can impact you in the short term. Like you're stressed out of your mind for two, three days, and how that will drop your one rep max bench press, your squat, and so on and so forth. Um, another study is a, an effect of one week of sleep restriction on, on testosterone levels in young healthy men, and they dropped. I mean, down uh, up to 25, even closer closer to 30 percent. Right? I mean, that's that's pretty crazy, right? One that's one night. That's one night, and I mean, I can certainly tell you that the the years, especially on the back end of those years, right? Like as I went deeper into those years of uh, of not sleeping much how it affected my testosterone, right? Where it wasn't even that I couldn't, um, that I wasn't strong. I couldn't demonstrate my strength, right? I couldn't demonstrate my physical abilities because remember, fatigue masks fitness. Um, And, you know, what's a great way to explain this? Okay, cool. Like, let's say at your, you know, freshest, your best, your whatever, you can, uh, because everybody loves bench, you can bench 300 pounds, right? But if I make you run like, uh, you know, six miles at a, 8.30, 30, you know, at an eight minute tempo and then go like, all right, come on, go, go and bench press, right? You probably had to be able to bench press max. Why? Because fatigue is masking your fitness. Now, of course, like I could give other different examples or, you know, at the end of a really tough basketball session or a bodyweight workout, go bench press your max. You can't do it. Fatigue masks fitness. But it's the same thing as like lack of sleep, you know, has been shown to drop uh, performance at crazy levels. Like, you know as so I say sleep is 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 the is the super drug it's the super uh you know super supplement whatever else you want to call it because you'd see perform like even one night's sleep of like lacking two or three hours of sleep like you're pre- dropping your performance you know 30 plus percent I mean that's that's crazy right and so when you see these studies and you see the effects of stress uh, on on performance on gains right it makes you start realizing like you know why is fitness failing us and you know what do we want to do about this right so and you know this brings me to the nutritional component of it and because once you can you can see that these are all puzzle pieces right nothing ever lives in a vacuum obviously um and usually one thing i would say drives the next one like lack of sleep is going to you know make you more grumpy it's going to make you more irritable when you're more irritable and more emotional guess what it's is this is uh, we talked about the halt strategy right like are you eating because you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? You know, and when you're tired, or you're angry, which is usually driven by lack of sleep, because hey, nobody's, uh, you know, very few people are like as as perky as when they get eight hours of sleep, or when they get five. It's a big difference, right? So that drives emotional eating, right? And that creates different patterns and disorders and things in that nature. So notice how each one of these kind of like feed one another, and and and. I've, I've talked about this before, you know, is is the behavior helping you live the best life and achieve, helping you achieve your goals or not, you know? And those are pretty simple. Like, hey, is me sleeping four and a half hours a night helping me be lean, strong, powerful, have good energy, have good relationships, wake up in the morning, energized, right? Easy, no, it's not, right? Same thing as, hey, is are these foods doing that for me? No, right? But, We come to like the, one of the factors is like why getting lean is hard. This is another study. And uh, this is this one I think is very important to hear because it's some of the conversations that we're having with clients at all times. Uh, Mostly when people go like, I don't understand, Luca, why I'm not losing weight. Um, I've been on this 14, 1300 calorie diet and uh, for a while now and I'm not losing weight the reality is it's most likely got nothing to do with hormones, it's got nothing to do with, you know, my metabolism's just shot completely. The majority of the time is that people are eating more, they're not aware of how much they're eating, right? They think that they're eating less than they truly are. um, Put it this way, uh, they did this study where, number one, they had people estimate you know how many calories they, they put them through a workout and they asked the person like hey how many calories do you es- did you do you estimate that you burn right and people estimated that they burned 800 calories in that workout i don't know how long the workout was i think it was like 45 minutes to an hour or something like that um and then they said okay eat as much food as you feel that you burn right so they first of all they thought that they they uh they thought that they burned 800 calories. So, but the measured calories burned, right? So what they actually burned was 200. So let's, let's get this straight. They thought they burned 800, over 800, right? They actually burned about 200. And they consumed like a little less than 600 calories, right? Because they're like, well, eat less than what you burn, right? But they thought they burned 800. So they ate almost 600 calories. So this is the problem, right? People think that they burn more than they do, and they think that they eat less than they did, right? So these results suggest a normal way an individual overestimated uh, you know, energy expenditure by three to four folds, right, three to four X than what they did. Further, when asked to precisely compensate for energy expenditure with food intake, the resulting energy intake is still two to three folds greater than the measured energy expenditure, right? So this this is my scientific readout of this study. But essentially what it means is like they just, they overestimated how many calories they burn and underestimated how many calories they ate by two to three folds, right? And this is usually where things get stuck, right? Like the thought process is like, and you know, this is where kind of like the Fitbits are wrong. And I mentioned this in, in one of the last podcasts that, you know, Non, uh, so non-pro athletes, you know, so I would say individuals that aren't highly, highly trained, average about 10 calories per minute in a training session, at best. So at most, you can expect, in a really high-intensity workout, you can, you, you, know, you can shoot for burning about 10 calories per minute. So in a 60-minute workout, that's 600 calories, right? And I can't tell you just in the last two weeks uh, you know, when I've had uh, a couple people going like, "Oh yeah," the other day, we were at this uh, this place and we did the twelve hundred calorie workout, right? So essentially, they're they're saying that they burned twelve hundred calories. Uh, I said, "Oh, how how long was that workout?" Uh, and they're like, "Man, it's an hour. It's just man, it's was, it was crazy." Um, and I was like, "Okay, uh, <laughs> not likely," but once again, like that was their thought process, or because you know the place said, "Hey, this is twelve thousand, you know, twelve hundred calorie." Uh, Burn workout right. So, but but now you're misinterpreting both sides of the equation, and you wonder, you know, why uh, I said why people have are struggling with with weight loss because they're misunderstanding. I would say overestimating and underestimating what's going on, Um, and which brings me to because I wanted to to tap into this right. Um, If you guys have heard of, uh, it's got a, a couple of great books like eric helms muscle and strength nutrition pyramid and there's kind of like this pyramid of what the importance right the importance of when it comes to weight gain or weight loss right i mean obviously if you if you want to weight gain you want to you want to have more calories if you want to lose it you want to have less but at the bottom of it is energy balance right energy balance really is calories in and calories out and of course we can you know there, there, there's something else that I'll touch on this as far as, you know, cause people say, do calories matter? Like what type of calories? Absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about that. It matters. And from a sense of, Hey, if, if I eat a processed food, I'm going to absorb more of those calories because you know what, that, that process, uh, the processing of the food has basically cut out, you know, what the digestive system has to do. So if I eat a, you know, if I eat a, uh, Sweet potato fry versus, a, a, you know, just a cooked sweet potato is going to be different, right? Same thing if, if I if I eat an orange versus I drink an orange juice, like different, right? Different absorption. But nonetheless, calories and calories out, energy, equation, balance, you can't cheat it. Um, although there's a lot of underlying things that that result in that. But what that means is it goes right back to what we were just talking about. And what we were just talking about is that at the end of the day, Yes, if you eat less calories and then you burn up, you're going to lose weight. And, but people overestimate the amount of exercise they do in, as far as burning calories and underestimate um, you know, how many calories they eat. And we know at the bottom of the pyramid is energy balance, right? Number two on that, on that equation is macronutrients. So this is our proteins, our carbs, and our fats, right? And, and once again, you know, more and more studies show you know, keeping protein uh, pretty steady, and then when it comes to carbs and fats, it's more about like what works for you and what can you do consistently over time. Some people like to eat less carbs and more fat. Some people like to eat more carbs and less fat. Me personally, I love carbs, right? There is no right or wrong here, right? It's just like what's right for you. From there, you know, there's micronutrients. Now, we need to get micronutrients because like I said, micronutrient deficiencies are going to drive all types of things from you know low energy to to you know dropping your immune system to diseases to you name it right um, and deficiencies will, can also drive you know hunger and all types of different things but so micronutrients are important which is why you know whole unprocessed foods you know eating whole unprocessed foods matter and supplementing with things like you know obviously I'm a big fan of Athletic Greens also on it you know like different supplements that we're deficient in so that's important. From there it goes to nutrient timing and this is why like you know we say hey nutrient timing is not that important. Um it's not it's certainly not that important when when it comes to when it comes to you know uh, I would say consistency. Like you don't if you're not consistent with your nutrition like it doesn't matter if you don't pre-workout post-workout, right? But if if you can't get I would say certain habits and behaviors down that are more important, you shouldn't worry about meal meal timing. Uh, And then at the top is like supplements. Like I said, supplements are just that. They're supplementation for for your regular nutrition. Now, if you look at this pyramid and we got energy balance, macronutrients, micronutrients, meal timing, supplements, underlying all that is behavior and lifestyle, right? Notice how it always brings us back to this, right? It always brings us back to this. And although here we're talking about nutrition, guess what? Behavior and lifestyle, No matter what, like this is when it comes to sleep. Guess what? Behavior and lifestyle, right? When it comes to stress, behavior and lifestyle, and knowing that those are the things that we got to change to affect everything else. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up today is because, hey, like if you're working a twelve-hour day, you got three kids, life is stressful. um, You know, you're you're sleeping only a good five hours a night, and those aren't that great. Your nutrition is not on point, and you're, but you're like hey i'm ready to get in shape so i'm hitting you know i'm hitting the gym 4 days a week i'm doing uh, another you know 2 to 3 high intensity workouts and this that and the other like that's too that might be too much stimulus not enough recovery you might you not might not be matching those behaviors in in and, and lifestyle habits with what you actually need right and it keeps bringing me back into you know why why environment is so important right and for instance, uh, I, I and I, I think I've done a podcast on this. Like, you know, most of us will eat what we're served. That's environment, right? Like bigger plate. Guess what? You're gonna eat it. So no matter how big the portion is, if you know you, you serve a small bag of popcorn, it's gone. You serve a big bag of popcorn, it's gone, right? Uh, if you know, I don't know. If you if you were uh, served, a, I would say a, a fia punto full of popcorn, you probably eat that too. Uh, we eat more. I just put up. Instagram post up about how we eat more than we're multi-ta- multitasking. There's a study showing that when people were listening to even just the radio uh, and they were eating, they ate 15% more. And now we got our phones, computers when we work. Um, you know, if you ever started snacking while watching TV or playing video games, notice that like, you know, the nuts are gone, the popcorn is gone, whatever you're eating is gone, right? Because your attention is el- elsewhere, so your mind goes on autopilot, satiety cues don't kick in, and so on and so forth, Right? Uh, and if, if you consistently eat And this is like I mean we're hedonic in, 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 in nature But if you know the, You eat a bigger portion After a while The bigger portion becomes normal Right? And we'll regularly overeat And remember we just talked about this How we don't really are, We're not good at estimating How much we eat Right? Even And, and like I said Even uh, uh, I would say The things such as My fitness pal And like food packaging Is up to 25% off or, or more, right? So remember, like now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make a, a case for like, you're doomed. Uh no, not at all. But it's just awareness around this, right? Um put it this way, it imagine that like, you know, back in the day, like what your grandparents what was normal for them, you know, they they'd eat the four ounce burger uh and the seven ounce soft drink. But now it's like everything's bigger, right? Now it's like at least a eight ounce, 10 ounce, 12 ounce, whatever it may be, right? Everything's become bigger and, and, and science has shown that we just eat more calories and a lot of it is our environment, right? Which is the foundation of habit. So when it comes to food, we've talked about this, that part of the problem, like I talked about Eric Helm's pyramid, right? About energy balance, macronutrients, micronutrients, meal timing and then supplements. But how everything is underlyingly you know behaviors and, and lifestyle. And then when we start understanding that a lot of the behaviors, right, our environment is the foundation of habit, is the foundation of behaviors, that means that we gotta assess our environment. And one of the issues, and I will say the problem is, is that people start uh, you know, up at the top, right? So think um, it, it's almost like the opposite of what, what you might expect. And I've I've mentioned this before, right? People start thinking about Targeted calorie intake, right? So somebody comes in, their lifestyle and behaviors aren't on point uh, with what they want to achieve. Their behaviors are not matching their goals, and the first thing they look to is like, how many look, cal- like, how many calories should I eat? Now the thing is, they're they're not looking at their behaviors and mindfulness and awareness of what they're doing. They're going straight to like, give me the data of well, how many calories I should eat, which is a really simple thing to do. Um, but you know, for most people, it's like, hey, multiply your body weight by twelve. I mean, there's a lot of equations. That's just a simple one. Remember, no equation it really is precise, it will work. You just got to start somewhere. Multiply your body weight by twelve. And that's where you start. You know, track it. Track it every two weeks um, to see which direction you're going, right? Uh, but but we, we dug into that in, in, in a different podcast as well. But the whole point of this is that, like you know, if you look at the pyramid, here we go. We got another pyramid. But hey, these are like visuals are helpful here, right? Is think at the foundation of everything when it comes to not just you know we're we're talking about nutrition, but we talked about these other factors that are really affecting transformation, right? Which are like I said, sleep, stress, training stimulus, too much of it, right? Uh, underestimating uh underestimating how much we eat, overestimating how much we burn, so on and so forth. Well, those are all parts of this pyramid if you really truly look at it. Because look, at the bottom is a supportive social environment. I, like the knowledge, like I said, we've had I started with this podcast by saying that we've we've had we have more knowledge than we ever had. And yet, you know, more books, more data, more, you know, you could Google everything now. Uh although when you Google stuff, it's like, hey, which source is actually credible. But At the end of the day, we do have that information, but if you you can have the information and keep putting yourself into social environments that aren't like supportive of your goals, and it's going to be very difficult to change. Very, very difficult to change. Um, You know, having a basic physical activity program is important, but once again, there's the other side of the spectrum that we talked about, which is overtraining. Like it's not even overtraining; it's under recovering, right? So, being able to balance those out. Then you have like health-focused kitchen and grocery shopping. That is environment, that's massive. Like If you keep coming home and having foods that trigger you after a long day where you're stressed out, uh, possibly emotional, and you have foods that are uh, easily available to you that basically you know you can, uh, You as soon as you eat them, you're gonna go down the spiral and eat more of them, and they're low in nutrient uh, density but high in caloric density, Right? Once again, that you're setting up your environment to be unsuccessful. Um, things like eating a variety of fresh, minimally processed foods, right? I mean, just making those behaviors happen will, get, like, will, will for sure change the way you look, feel, and perform. Uh, you know, does that, does, is that gonna take you all the way to ripped and shredded to bits on a stage? Probably not, but then most people don't even want or need that. Right, and we always talked about that kind of give and take. You know, like after those, so I'm going to go over those again, right? Supportive social environment, basic physical activity program, health-focused kitchen, grocery shopping, eating a variety of fresh, minimally processed foods. And then I'd also add, you know, quality sleep. Because remember, we just talked about that, right? Making sure you got quality sleep. Stress. And then stress comes back to like, hey, who are you around? What's your work like? If you you know, if you, you absolutely hate, um, I will say, what you do, but then, you know, what type of books are you reading? So that your perspective maybe changes around your work and the people you work with, and you know, you become more positive versus maybe being be seeing things in a negative way. These are all all environments. These are all basically environments that shape the behaviors and lifestyle that's at the bottom of the pyramid, right? Only then do you go to things like uh, you know, progressive training regimens. So, as, as much as like you know, I'm, I'm a a coach and somebody that designs programs and trains athletes and and clients and m- makes uh, programs that are you know structured and organized to help somebody grow. For somebody that's just starting to do something, like look, if they don't have any organization but they're just you know three four days a week going to Zumba and hiking a little bit and getting to work in with their friends, man, that, you're, you're winning. You're winning. Like that's that's. I mean, I'm I'm fist bump. Like I'm dapping you up right now because that's great. You know, but then the next step is obviously getting something more structured and organized to help you keep improving, and it's based on science. Uh, you know, tailored portion sizes. You know, when you start kind of going like, okay, I've changed my environments, I lost weight, I'm, I'm feeling better. Uh, now I, I got to start looking into a little bit more. You know, whether uh, I'm actually tracking the calories. Uh, you know, with something like a macro tracker or my fitness power, or something like that, or am I doing the I would say uh, the hand-based portions that you know we teach that are precision nutrition-based, right? That's another route to go. But either way, you have to start manipulating and controlling how much you eat. Like your, your portion sizes for what the goal is you want to achieve. You want to build muscle, maybe it's bigger. If you want to lose weight, maybe they're smaller. And then things like nutrient timing, for instance, like and then only at the top, uh, you know, is like improved goal setting strategies, advanced nutrition and exercise plans. Uh, advanced meaning that that they're very you know. A lot more specific, both in your macros, your your uh, your calories, when you eat, such like you know things like that. Like I said, balanced macronutrition, um, and then t- targeted calorie intake. Right? Only at the top is like we get there, and I'm not saying that that's not like like I said, one size doesn't fit all. So when when I do and when we do nutrition coaching, like we're always looking at the person and asking a lot of questions and kind of doing coactive coaching where we get to a place where, like I said, we're not telling people what to do, right? We're working with them, guiding them, supporting them, coaching them to their goals. So it's as, as, you know, the least amount of stress that we can have with the most result. I mean, it is essentially the minimal effective dose on that. You know, so it's the opposite way of what most people expect, right? The base of the pyramid is what surrounds you, your social environment and culture Right, your kitchen, your grocery habits, your day-to-day routines that we've talked about before, your people, right? Those are the foundation, I'm gonna repeat those because this is very important, your social environment and culture, your kitchen, your grocery habits, your day-to-day routine, your people, right? So in general, when it comes to engineering healthy eating or healthy anything else, you know, fill in the blank, uh, here's the golden rule. Make healthy behaviors convenient and easy and make other behaviors less convenient. That's going to really, really shift uh, your life, right? So, I, I, you know, I've mentioned this before. Things from using smaller plates and cups. If there's food you don't want to eat, uh, uh, you know, you don't want to eat, avoid keeping it around. Having a fresh, healthy, whole foods prepared and in plain sight. You know, stuff like parking your car further away if you do want to get more steps. Uh, keeping your your bike ready to go by the front door. You know, things like that. Having a meal delivery service. Um, you know, making yourself a smoothie for a healthy snack. Having you know, healthy snacks prepped for you. Uh, Also, because I talked about higher stress and not sleeping is like, you know, creating sleep rituals and, uh, you know, finding better environments for, for work or doing, you know, mobility in the morning and having days for recovery. I think this is massively important. It's like structuring recovery days. Like we're doing recovery day now at Vigor where we're, you know, my crew meets up and we're going to do everything from decompression hanging to, um, to the, you know, the ex-wife to doing mobility drills. An ex-wife wife, by the way, is uh is like a really heavy imagined roller that, that Donnie Thompson created. Um uh, cryo chamber, you know, uh hypervolt rice guns, things of that nature, right? But like it's scheduled. Have a scheduled massage, you know, every week, every two weeks, have a scheduled walk and hike, right? W- once again, you're balancing out these things that like allow your body to actually make the adaptations that you want, fat loss, muscle building, improved neurological performance, right things of that nature, so you know you 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 ask like why fitness is failing us, and I would say why fitness and nutrition is failing us once again is that we are not paying enough attention to recovery, right, which is a lot of factors recovery is everything from improving sleep, reducing stress, improving nutrition right having uh i would say a, i would say a lot of recovery is also being around the right people, like if I'm around people and I'm smiling and laughing, I'm relaxed right if I'm around people that stress me out that man that's first of all one it stresses me out, which is not good two that stress usually drives behaviors that take you away from your goals drinking eating uh you know over 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 training you know that for me that was that that was a thing of you know. You stress me out, and I'm going to go train a lot of times or work a lot of times, like too much. <laughs> but you have to recognize that, you know, and, and with that said, you can, you can assess and change those things based on, uh, like I said, switching your envi- environments, right? So with that said, I'm going to click back into this right here. Um, you know, everything's connected to energy, Everything. Uh, and I'd even go beyond the physical energy, but nutrition, training, stress, sleep, activity, right? All of that stuff is energy, energy in, energy out in some way or another. And, you know, we have to manipulate that. And I would say a lot of the a mistake that I see a lot of trainees, right? Because there's two sides of the coin. There's, there's people that do have a lot of stress and a lot of things going on but in, they need to actually do more activity and more training and, and manipulate the calories. But everybody, I would say majority of people need more recovery. Um, but a mistake I see a lot of trainees and also coaches you know, make is, is not understanding the difference between training, which has a goal of creating an adaptation and improvement and demonstration, right? So once again, there's training, right? Which creates an adaptation and improvement and there's demonstration. I'll give you an example. Demonstration is like I'm doing my max deadlift. I'm demonstrating my, I'm demonstrating like my performance I'm doing the highest box jump that I could, whatever. I'm, I'm going to, you know do my 100 meter sprint to get the best time. That's demonstrating my physical performance and capacity. Training is to create an adaptation so that I can get better and better and better. And too many people are demonstrating too much, right? Every workout is all out, right? Every time I'm jumping, it's the, and and from a standpoint of somebody that used to live this way, you know, because I was like, man, I'm putting in my my full-on effort, which is important, but if I'm trying to create an adaptation through training, it's structured in a specific way because that gives me the stimulus, but also gives me the recovery, right? If you played a game every single day by, you know, day you know, two weeks in, you're smashed. You can't perform at your best. You can't demonstrate at your best, right? So that understanding of, you know, going in to crush yourself every single day, you know, and, and doing everything. Like there's, there is no lower intensity training. There is no mobility. There's no, you know, this, that, and the others. Always go, 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 go. That's, that, that's a mistake, right? Seek adaptation, not demonstration. I'm going to pause it for a second while I sip on my bang. Seek adaptation, not demonstration. And you could actually, I mean this is obviously a training point, um, but I would say that you could carry this over, same thing with nutrition, right? Like, seek adaptation, not demonstration. Like hey, seek a positive change that's gonna stick, and not like, man, to me, like doing a detox is a demonstration. Okay, cool, well, man, you did a water cut, and you did this, this, and that, and you look leaner, but that's not the adaptation that you're looking for the long term, right, so once again, Seek adaptation, not demonstration. And with that said, hopefully I brought some light into you know, why things are failing us based on you know, the research and data and the science and what you need to improve on. And it comes back to the same thing, that these simple things that we need to improve and just do it really well and do it consistently. And that you're winning as long as you're getting better. right? As long as it's a little more or a little better and it's sticking, you're winning. Uh, I'll leave you with this analogy that like I actually wrote an Instagram post on this that, you know, if you're two to three miles away from your house uh, and you got to get home uh, like you could run. Right. You could run. But if you if you start running hard, you'd get home faster. But in the meantime, you're probably going to one get sweaty, be uncomfortable. And hey, look, most people might not even make it. Most people will just stop running. Maybe you'll gas out and have to sit down. Right. Some people might get injured. Right, but most people would do very well just going at a regular pace and enjoy that walk home and be there in no time, right? Because they're enjoying the walk, they're going slow, they're not sweating, they're not crazy uncomfortable. And I would have you consider that nutrition is the same way, right? You can walk home where many people sprint and then they injure themselves and they have to stop, or they get sweaty and uncomfortable and they don't like that, so they stop and they turn around and go back, right? Where there's an approach that you can take. That's much more comfortable. And it's just like, you know, that saying the diet, the best diet is the one that you don't know you're on, right? Because as soon as you feel like you're on a diet, you're waiting for it to stop, you're waiting for it to be over. It's not part of what you are, who you are, who you're becoming. And with that said, like if you're walking home, it's going to be more natural. And, you know, you'll be halfway through seeing progress, seeing changes, feeling good about it, not being ov- overly stressed. And, you know, with that said, saying that stress is such a big factor. Think about adding nutrition that is stressful into your uh, into your life. Meaning, too much to think about, overwhelm, um, You know, constantly having to track data and numbers and things of that nature. Once again, I'm not beating up. You know, counting calories or because I think they're a great awareness tool. But once again, if if that person is more stressed out because of this approach, I, I you know, we we've we've seen that that. Is not taking people to where they want to go. I mean, data is showing us; reality is showing us It's that that's not true. So there's a different approach. So, how do we get nutrition and fitness not to fail us? You know, hopefully that's brought some some light and some tactical and actionable steps that you can use. Like I said, even if it's one or two, and you're like, "Man, that makes sense," and you start doing and it applying it, then absolutely. Hopefully this will help you out. With that said, guys, love and appreciate you tuning in. You could be anywhere else, but you're listening to this, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm, I, you know, I always want to let you know that, like I said, that that matters a lot to me. Like I, you know, I do this because it's an extension of the coaching that I do at Vigor Ground. Uh, also, you know, from the training to fitness to nutrition to the business coaching to help other gym owners. And and I really really do appreciate it. With that said, too, I want to say, hey, look, if you, if you love this podcast, you know, go and give it a review on iTunes. Share it, spread the word. You know, I, I know that there's a lot of stuff that people shared where I would listen to it, and it really made an impact on me, and actually it made me change something in my life, and and took it in a different direction. And you know, if that if it does that for you, and you, you feel it can do it for somebody else, that's my main purpose on on this. To be honest with you, like, I, you know, I never even started this podcast. To, to have sponsors, to have any of that, you know, I'm not even actively pursuing it. And hey, maybe, maybe I should. But, the, you know, it really was like, hey, how can I get, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, you know, or more people listening to this where it will help them both. You know, people that are just trying to change their body, change their mind, change their life uh, and coaches helping others do that same thing. So uh, I appreciate you. Go and leave a review and I will see you in the next Very Life podcast. Peace.